She's Julie Roxanne. And he's Alistair. And And this this is Far Out, a podcast about stepping off the beaten path and learning to live from our center. Your social role in the community was predicted to an uncomfortable amount by the location you had in the community. If you had a central location, you were more likely to be one of those hubs because a lot of people went by and you were exposed to a lot of people. So if you had- it doesn't have anything to do with the fact that I'm nice? <laughs> 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 I feel like it affects my internal landscape in a way that feels constricting and feels, uh, yeah, the opposite of expansive. Yeah, and that explains a lot because you were starting to look like a square. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, that is not true. I do not know where this came from. I love that you went to French right there, Porte de I said the the time limit thing on the iPhone so then every 15 minutes I will be kicked out of Instagram and I can choose to continue because the phone is not a, a deity asking me to do what I want but well maybe it is I don't know but um, <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> oh my god Alistair guess what what we have a new review. Oh, happy days! <laughs> Can I read it? Yes. Okay. Well, this review is from Mitch T619. The title is Feels, and he left us a five star review. Yes. Ooh. And it says Hey guys, this podcast makes me happy and makes me look at life through a different lens. After listening for just a couple of weeks, I've started to look at things and situations differently. Sometimes I get upset about trivial things, but you guys have helped me to realize that it just takes a small shift in thinking to turn frustration into an indifference. Julie Roxanne, your laugh is infectious and makes me smile. Alistair, your way of thinking is insightful and brings me back to a few conversations we've had over breakfast and tea. Also, I'm very happy for you and the life that you've created for yourself. Listening to you guys' adventures and story inspires me to make some rad adventures of my own. So thanks for being awesome. Keep doing what you're doing. Hope to see you in San Diego sometimes. Cheers. And it's signed, Mitch, the dude that took your place, Alistair. Hello, Mitch. <laughs> that's, that's really cool. Mitch is a really nice guy. And he moved into my room when I left San Diego and began to travel. Wow, that's yeah. full circle. Yeah, and he's quite the beer connoisseur. I'll yeah. say that too. Pretty impressive. Wow. Thank you so much, Mitch. Thank that's you such so a kind much. thing to say. That is such a beautiful review. Thank you so much. Well, hello, beautiful listener, and welcome to a brand new episode of Far Out Podcast. Hi there. Oh. It's great to have you here. Welcome. What are we talking about today, Alistair? Today, we're talking about an idea we've been working on for a little while. It's called 
It, well, we were talking about internal landscapes, which is, we'll get into it. We'll get into it later. Trust us. Internal landscapes and how our environment shapes our internal landscape and what we can do about that and why we might want to think about it. Ultimately, it's about how our environments shape us. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Wow. I, for a moment, I thought you were not going to say the last two and I was kind of freaking out. <laughs> there will be a day. There will be a day. <laughs> I'm not sure I want that day to come. This is too unsettling, Austria. Woo! Hi, everyone. Welcome. Welcome to another episode. <sighs> it's very tempting to give you a bunch of updates and just talk to you about our lives, but we've decided that this one, we're getting straight into it because yep. it's kind of a concepty one and we're actually excited to talk about those things. We've been working on some ideas and uh, for a little while now, and we'd like to share them with you uh, because we think they have a lot of practical utility and they've been really useful in our life. So I think maybe to open up, uh, I'm just going to start with a story. Mm-hmm. And this happened recently. Uh, we were driving. So after we sold our caravan, we were living in the woods, in the forest, in, in Leyland in southwest France. And so everything's trees there. Every, you don't see very far when you live in the forest. And there's no much, there's no horizon really. It's all blotted out by the trees. So everything's like kind of really up close. And, and kind of whatever space you have, you've carved out of the forest. Mm -hmm. So everything's kind of nearsighted. And at first you notice it, and maybe it's even charming. You like it. It's like, oh, wow, look at all these things. You know, like, it's a change of scenery. Mm -hmm. And then, and, and we'd been living there for about nine months. Yeah. But in the forest for longer, about a year and a half like, for the time we spent in the caravan. And... You forget that, that that visual effect, and you forget that, that that's not the total world. So we, we sold the caravan, and we were driving out of Leyland, and Leyland is super flat. It, yeah, it used to be like swamps. It's yeah. just like flat, flat, flat. So we're driving east to uh, the Mediterranean, to Marseille, where we are right now, and there's this moment every time when you drive out of Leyland. I don't know when it is. It's like an hour, two hours in, somewhere in between there. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you realize you're not in the forest anymore. And the road opens up. And all of a sudden, it's like winding through hills. And you can see these hills that are just kind of undulating into the distance. And there's the sky. And later on, there's mountains. And it's so... it's It gives you this feeling, this like... <sighs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, I know exactly that bend you're talking about because we've taken that road quite a few times to yeah. come to Marseille and it's just, it, it's flat and boring and flat and foresty for like an, an hour and a half. And then at some point you just take a turn and you're in, there's vineyards everywhere and hills and it's, and it's interesting to notice how fast you shift internally like how fast that the feelings shift of ah it's new it's there's I don't know how to say it in English but there's like there's there's texture there's a relief so like you have the hills all of a sudden and things are different even in my mind yes it opens up there there's a there's a shift in spirit there's a shift in feeling and there's also a shift I think in in mind and I actually really like this like for example if i'm taking a train and taking me through different landscapes 
I notice that I'm very, I'll, I'll be very creative. My mind will jump all over the place, like with the landscape. And so there's all these different ideas. It's that, it's that feeling of kind of, uh, so I, th- I would describe it as like um, insight or inspiration or connection, something around there where it's just like, boom. And then, yeah. ah, it's, it's different. And, yeah, and it's new contrast. ideas are coming and, and all of a sudden I have new feelings and, and like life has a different spin on it, you yeah. know? Yeah. And, and I think this happens in a lot of environments, right? I, I think we we wanted to use this story because it's probably fairly universal. We've probably all had that experience coming over a mountain pass or seeing the ocean where it's just like, oh. Yeah. And this got us thinking about uh, this idea of internal landscapes. Do you want to define it? Yeah, so I think... We're, we're going to build a little bit of vocabulary here just to talk about yeah, so we can about. all have shared vocabulary to have this conversation. I think uh, the the thing is we realized, okay, so apparently change in environment influences something inside of us. But what is that inside of us that is influenced? Like, how do we define that? And so we thought of the ner- the, the term internal landscape to define the world we inhabit via our minds. Yeah, this is basically our world picture. And of course, this is really important because it influences what we see. It influences what we feel. It influences what we think. And maybe most importantly, it influences how we act in the world. Yes. And all of our, ment- or our, all of our internal landscapes are different. And they're shaped by all sorts of things. Some of them external, some of them internal. And we wanted to focus more on the external side of this. And so we've we've come up with three broad categories, and these are approximate to kind of help us think through this idea. But so there's three type of environments we find ourselves in quite a bit. Mm -hmm. There are physical environments. So this would be like the example we just gave. This would be like being at the sea or in the mountains. Yeah. And and these have a lot of these influence us in a lot of ways. If you if you look at our language, it's built on metaphors. And and if you look at these metaphors, there's a very very interesting book called The Metaphors We Live By. This one blew my mind when I read this book because they I always thought about metaphors as kind of these like, uh, you know, like kind of poetic devices and and you get them in literature and they're kind of annoying sometimes and you don't understand what they're saying and and they're kind of flowery and, and you you know, I I don't know, like this kind of whatever. I love hearing you say that because I feel like you spend most of your time trying to come up with good metaphors. I know, I I, I do. And then I throw most of them away and get pissed off. (laughs) But basically the, the thesis of this book uh, was that all of our metaphors come from experience and all of our language derives from actual experience. Mm-hmm. And metaphors are actually essential be- because they are the way that we we kind of extrapolate beyond our our five senses. It's the way, it's how we describe things with other things, and so, but it's all experience based. If you and you can think about this in our language, it's all the time, and it, it's at its like most fundamental levels. It's it's directional. What's up? How are you feeling down? All these things they all have, uh, they all point back to experience mm. in some way, and this is uh, this can be really interesting, and it really changed my view of the power 
of metaphor because it is speaking to direct experience, which is actually the exact opposite of how I used to think of metaphor, which which was much more poetic and, mm. and detached. But no, actually, this is sometimes the best way to describe direct experience. And I think this they speak a lot about the internal landscapes that we inhabit, right? Like you're not going to change. We usually don't choose the same metaphors, pro- yes. probably because we're not from the same culture too. But I do a, a, a shocking amount of metaphors, metaphors around food and cooking and baking. And you usually do metaphors around trekking and nature. And, and so I and think that like, partly comes from our culture as well, right? I'm from California yeah. and you're from France. Yeah. But you can also see this, you know, like a, a, a very often cited anthropological example would be different religions, right? Religions, for example, that tend to be in a more tropical uh, environment often uh, have this kind of God who consumes, uh, they they kind of base their spirituality or or their vision of a deity around plants. Mm. And so you get this idea of like, some more cyclic, cyclical, C- cyclical, and yeah. things decompose, and then and then they consume, and that's a very different uh, deity than you might see on the plains or in in the mountains. Yeah, or in like Scandinavia, or you know, it, exactly, it, it just... or 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 a seafaring a seafaring um, a community or something yeah. like this. And so all this, I mean, we our minds take the material that's given to us by our senses. And, and we use this. They're symbols. Yeah. So physical environment is the most is is the most obvious one that we interact with that affects our internal landscape. But we realize that there's a plenty more probably, but we've mainly focused on two other ones, which are there are social environments, which are the people we interact with. Yeah. This is culture. And and family and the friends we surround ourselves with and all these things. And then there's mental environments. This one is the one we're kind of interested in because it's less, much less tangible. And it seems to make up a lot of the environments we inhabit ourselves. And I think as a generation, we tend to inhabit. So it's like TV email newsletters, social media, books, podcasts, like anything that is more, uh, because I think more idea based, I think, and more kind of uh, a little bit more mental. These these are the kind of, we all live in these mental silos and, and we're feeding ourselves, you know, our own stream of ideas. And this, these are all unique, right? Like the stream of ideas that I'm getting and that I'm exposing myself to and consuming are different than the ones you are. Yeah. And sometimes wildly different, right? And I think we're waking up to this in the last decade. Okay, well, so that, that I feel like that has more to do with algorithms and, and how the kind of feed we're getting off social media and Google, what you're saying. Oh, it's, but it's based off the same ideas. It's like whatever you feed your mind has a big influence on the world you yeah, live in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But I think like TV can be an environment for sure. Uh, like 
there's no denying that when you're watching TV, you're not fully where you are. You're in TV. I had this experience yesterday uh, similarly because my mom turned on TV in the evening and I saw that there was a great French bake-off. It's not called like that, but it's a bake-off thing. And my mom had to ask me questions two or three times for me to actually answer because those kind of things really get my attention because it's food, right? So it's like, oh, so I wasn't really there. And and we often use this. I mean, we've talked about online forums and your website as places yes. because they really feel like places to some extent. Like the longer I feel like that about Instagram, Instagram is a place that I go to, that I go visit more more than I should probably, or sometimes more than I think is is good. We'll get to that. But so there's and books are the same. When you read a really good book, you're not here. You're you're in the book and it's a very different. And when you do put the book down, it feels like you went away for a little bit, which can be very refreshing. And I think we're very skilled at using a mental environment as a form of maybe escapism or as a way to jump from one thing to the next and not really being present in our our lives. But we're actually not really skilled at realizing the impact it has on our internal landscape, how it shapes how we think, how we feel, how we view the world. And so we're not using that consciously. But ultimately, those are tools, right? Those those mental environments, those social environments, those physical environments can be looked as tools. So, so let's stop for a second. We're talking about our internal landscape, which is the world we inhabit via our minds. I think it's like the internal landscape is like thought patterns, ways to ways we look at the world, what we choose to look at, you know, like we can when we go outside, we can choose to look at the ant on the ground or the view or the leaves, right? Those are what I think are part of our internal landscape. Yes. So we have we have this internal landscape and we all inhabit one and they're all different and they're all influenced by the environments we spend time in. And we've named three environments in particular, and that's where we're going to focus on this podcast. But we're really serving this up for you to help you think about it, Mm. uh, because I think it has a lot of practical utility if you do think about it. So perhaps you see other environments, but right now we have physical environment. This is the actual physical spaces we inhabit. Uh, We have social environment. These are the social groups and, and, and the culture we're in. Uh, and then we have mental environments, and these are the environments of ideas and and uh, different places we go to in our minds. That that per, a lot of them are digital these days, but they don't have to be. I would even make an argument. There's another one that that we won't go into too much on here, but I think there's probably a biological environment, right? We all inhabit our bodies, and our bodies are affected by different. You know, bodies are a vat of chemical kind of processes and these are all affected by particularly like our diet so mm-hmm. I, and i would say that that's another that's another environment that that we're inhabiting all the time and that we can also influence so you can think about that one too mm. and i think where we're going with this is is first off we started with the example of the physical environment because that's one everyone understands pretty well although even that one i think we tend to forget so fast when we were in the forest for a while, we forgot, you know, what it's like to be in these other areas. And and I think, you know, if we spend a lot of time in one place, we start to, 
I think something starts to happen where you just start to take it for granted that this is the world. Yeah. I think a good example almost is like if you think about someone who lives on the 20th floor of a condo and someone who lives on the first floor, mm-hmm. you know, and they spend a lot of time in those in those apartments, right? And so someone has this view where they're seeing really far off and they don't see any of the details and, and it's it's very far seeing. They have a view of the sky, maybe the horizon. And then there's someone on the bottom level who's got a like very close up detailed view. Maybe there's a little garden in the back and everything's like really close and, and it's very cozy and mm. the other person's, it's very sprawling and wide open. And, and you know, it's, they kind of inhabit different worlds for most of their lives. And we're saying that that's basically what's happening all the time. Yeah. And what I think none of us are able to really appreciate, because it's really, we don't even really understand it, is how much these environments influence our internal landscape. And yeah, okay, we have like a superficial idea of this, right? Like we have some crude understanding of that. But I, I think I would posit, I would suggest that it influences us more than we ever would think. Mm. And that underneath there are always symbols and values and ideas, a lot of them that are being transmitted subconsciously. I mean, this is why ads work as well as they do. Like we all hate ads and try to tune them out, but they're still there. And there's a reason. It's because they work. And a lot of times they work subliminally. And and there's this is true for all things in our environment. And a lot of times we're absorbing a lot of things. Like it's not like we just you you go into an environment and for for whatever reason and uh, you know it's um it's a bit of a trade. Like you get some things from that environment and it gives you things. It, yeah. It's you're in it, but it goes into you. And the more time you spend in it, the more it kind of seeps into you. And in a lot of kind of unconscious ways and a, a lot of subterranean ways where where like like it affects the way we think it affects the way we feel it affects how we view the world and and all these things and impact what we're going to do in that world yeah and i think we're very very you know all of us just don't really have a good handle on 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 how much this influences us and in what ways because it's so often unconscious that's kind of the working thesis here. And and at least that's the world, that's what we'd like you to kind of assume for now as we as we go on this thought experiment. Yeah. I think also one thing I'll say here, and then we can get to kind of, okay, well, what can you do about this? All right. Like, is that, you know, we're we're definitely oversimplifying this idea. There's a lot of complexity in environments, and and uh, none of these are really like scientific categories or anything but for example let's take instagram as an environment and and at one level you know it's a social environment right you choose the people you want to follow other people follow you and there's a certain amount of there there's a social environment there but that's nested in another level of environment and that environment is a mental environment because mm-hmm. that's the software right a bunch of people thought about how they were going to design this space it's not a free space you can't do whatever you want in fact you're very very constricted on instagram yeah. you can only do very few things and someone else has thought about that and they've shaped the environment you're spending your time in to incentivize certain actions and I think, you know, if you think about a suburb or a neighborhood, and they did a lot of these kind of studies and plans, I I think, back in the first half of the 20th century. I remember reading about one where, like, they were looking at the the layout of a particular uh, community. I think it was in the 50s. 
and they kind of they were studying how the social interactions were shaped by the design of the community. And oftentimes, your social role in the community was predicted to an uncomfortable amount by the location you had in the community. If you had a central location, you were more likely to be one of those hubs because a lot of people went by and you were exposed to a lot of people. So if you, you mean had- it doesn't have anything to do with the fact that I'm nice? maybe but maybe not as much as we think as much as we want to think right and so on the outside they noticed that predictably the people on the outside of these communities where there wasn't a lot of foot traffic or not a lot of reasons to bump into each other they didn't have so they were not they didn't have prominent social status yeah and this comes down to a status thing which can be you know all important for us humans So it's really interesting. And this is the domain of architecture, right? How does space influence the way we feel and behave in an environment? How Mm -hmm. does physical space? That's a whole that's a that's a whole domain. So I don't think it's crazy to to think about, you know, it's that's also how other types of environments work. And some of them are designed, you know, by nature or, or God or however you want to see it. And some of them are designed by us. And for, and Instagram is one of those that's designed by us. And so then I think you have to ask, okay, what are the motives of the organization or the people that have designed this space? How much do I trust them mm. to inhabit the space? Because I think that's a really big choice to make is to choose to spend time in a space someone else has designed because you're spending time in their internal landscape in mm. a way. So, okay, so that's the second level, right? That's the mental environment. But then again, this is nested, and we're still talking about Instagram here, this is nested in a physical environment. Yeah, because you you spent, it's an actual physical action to be on Instagram. Your your phone is close to your face or your your head goes down to your to your phone, which is more more common and also more dangerous on the long term. I do that all the time. And it's like, you're in this tiny, tiny little window. And I, I know some people call Instagram Squarelandia. And I've it, never heard that. I, like, it, I love it, that. It just, it just, it's really true. It's like, I remember when I joined over the summer from in my, in my own account, I started following people that I was really inspired by. And that was really powerful. Like on a social environment level, it was really powerful to be able to expose myself to other people's ideas that I wasn't used to be exposed to. And they really helped me shape my own ideas and they really informed my own internal landscape. But over time, I also noticed that spending all this time in Squarelandia, spending all this time in this like tiny, tiny window, like think of a of a horse with, with blinders on the sides. Like all of a sudden you remove the blinders and you're like, wow, there's so much else around. And it's just, it's really constricting to some extent to be spending this money. For me, I feel like it affects my internal landscape in a way that feels constricting and feels, uh, yeah, the opposite of expansive. Yeah, and that explains a lot because you were starting to look like a square. No, God. <laughs> I don't. That is not true. I do not know where this came from. I love that you went to French right there, Portugal. <laughs> yeah, we're we're spending time in a French environment. Right okay, now. so 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 Instagram is a, a a social environment nested inside a mental environment, nested inside a physical environment, which is the servers, the phone, the the laptop, right? Yeah. So so there's a level of complexity, right? And mm-hmm. I don't think these environments ever exist 
in a vacuum, right? Like they're, they're layers, but we can use each one to kind of look at that section of yeah. it and, and help us think about that section. And, and like, like we said a little bit earlier, we think you should think about that, each of these sections because they have probably a major influence on on us i like that we think you should i'm like whoa i don't know if i think they should that's really that's really <laughs> like wow do we really think that they should let's be strong <laughs> let's go for it let's go for it i strongly encourage you <laughs> okay. i'm a, i'm i'm more of a i'm, I'm more mellow it, it, <laughs> okay here's a quick lesson from writing sometimes in writing you have to take aggressive stances You know what I mean? You you have to say, even though you wouldn't really be that aggressive about it, to make the point, to force people to think about okay, it. Okay. So we're going to do that. We're going to okay. say, you should. I strongly encourage you. Okay, <laughs> Julie Roxanne strongly encourages you to think about this. And also really thinks you should. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But these are both less than telling you that it. this is how it is, right? Yeah, <laughs> ultimately, we are right and everything we're this saying is, is how just it the is. truth. Trust us. Trust truth us. Truth with a capital yeah. T. And if you don't, change your mental environment. <laughs> okay, so let's get into that. So we have this idea of an internal landscape. This is the world we inhabit via our minds. And then we also have this idea that this landscape is shaped by uh, the environments we spend time in. And we've listed a, a few of those environments in particular, which is our social environment, our physical environment, and our mental environment. I think another way to think about this, just just to give a, a slightly different angle, because like, I'd like to do a metaphor with food, is I tend to think about my subconscious brain as like this, this or my subconscious mind as this big, pot that's on the stove simmering very slowly and so it's like I think the environment we're talking about are just putting spices and ingredients into that pot and then what is what is in the end is what I'm gonna have to eat or what I have to live with you know like so that's a different approach because I think we're not just talking about what goes in Because I think we can be conscious about where, because where we do, the environments we spend time in put things into us or they go inside of us as well. And I think we're making, we're going to be making the point that there are ways to be more aware of this and to, um, to use this awareness to create a more intentional and, uh, and, and to create our own internal landscapes more consciously. I like that metaphor. And I, I think there's uh, maybe there's a lot of ways environments affect us. I am focusing a lot on like what they're providing us as material for like kind of our subconscious or unconscious mind. But, you know, another example, uh, I was listening to Brian B. Peterson. Is that right? Jordan. Jor ah, that's right. Jordan B. Peterson uh, the other day. And he was talking about a chair and like the objects in the, in the world outside of us. He was making an argument that the world isn't objects, but it's more tools for action. Like that's how we look at the world. It's, it's, I won't go into that, but he was making the example that a chair suggests a certain action. Mm. It suggests that we do something. That's kind of what makes up a chair. It's like a tree stump isn't a chair, but uh, if you see a chair, it suggests you sit on it. It's telling you to sit on it. And so I think that's another way I also think about environment is it's telling us to do certain things. Yes. Instagram, for sure, it tells you very blatantly, how you want to create a post or, you know, you want to create content. Do you want to follow someone? It tells you, like, especially in our, our 
are man-made environments. They're pretty blatant about what they're telling you, but I think all environments are suggesting us ways of living and ways of thinking. Uh, actually, I just, I, I'm going to mention someone that I follow on Instagram who I think shows that really well in a more physical environment way. She, her name is Katie Bauman. I think her Instagram handle is uh, Nutritious Movement. And she's basically, she's a movement advocate. And she talks a lot about the fact that movement doesn't have to be sport, but it also has to be with just reconnecting with the way our physiological body is supposed to be moving in space. And so I actually saw a little video clip of her living room and it looks nothing like a normal living room. It just has like a lot of space to squat or it has like a lot of elements that can be used as chairs if you want, but not necessarily. And so she, she makes the point that if you have this environment, you're going to move a lot more than if you didn't. And that sparks uh, another environment that I think of a lot, which is like, for example, if you have a living room and you have a bunch of chairs in a semicircle facing a flat screen TV yes. on the wall, that suggests what you do in that room. Yes. And I think it's important to be very conscious about that because these things are molding our actions. So we can shape, if we can shape our environments, they might suggest to us to do other things and we might actually do. So it's a, it's a way of design. So let's get into, I think there's three different ways uh, that, that are helpful to think about when we're thinking about environments that we can go around. How we of, can be more intentional. Yeah, about when we're thinking about landscape. it, our, exactly. When we're thinking about our internal landscape and trying to have uh, a conscious shaping of that or, mm -hmm. or managing of it, what are some things we can do? So the first one is you can manage yourself in the environment. Yes, Here's a couple examples of managing yourself in the environment would be having awareness of how it affects you. Think of uh, going to the mall or perhaps a cocktail party, or at least I'll think about that because I'm an introvert and those are places I, I don't enjoy a yeah. lot. So maybe I have to go to the mall because it's Christmas and I didn't get presents from my family. That used to happen all the time. Or maybe I have to go to this cocktail party because my friend says I have to go and I, I can't find a good reason to get out of it. Uh, so I'm going to go. but. If I'm aware of how that environment affects me, I can I can prepare for it, right? I can spend some time by myself before, or I can block out my schedule after because I know I'm going to be just a wreck. Or I, I can just, I, I can set my expectations for what's going to be achieved in this environment. I'm, you know, I'm not going to, I'm probably not going to think of my next blog post mm. while I'm at the cocktail party or, or whatever. So I think just raising our awareness of how different environments influence us, which is not always as easy as it sounds. It, I mean, these things are things at one point I didn't know. And a lot of times I thought exact the opposite of what it turns out. Yeah. So like trying to check in with ourselves in the environment after and trying to notice some correlations that seem pretty trustworthy, that can be really helpful. Just knowing how they affect us can give us a modicum of control and that can really help. Yeah, for instance, I as I was saying before, I I don't actually have a lot of social media channels. I'm a pretty avid YouTube consumer and I do go on Instagram for personal and also in the future very very soon to be more professional reasons um or more related to our work. And I've been very 
intentional about setting time limits for myself on Instagram. They don't always work because Instagram is made to be more to be addictive. And I, I have also some kindness for myself towards that. But I have set the, the time limit thing on the iPhone. So then every 15 minutes, I will be kicked out of Instagram. And I can choose to continue because the phone is not a, a deity asking me to do what I want. But well, maybe it is. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> but yeah, so limiting myself in time, if I know that I'm going into an environment that is not the best for me or that I know is good in small doses, because for instance, cities, I think cities overwhelm me and being in like a center, the center of a city can be really intense for me. But I also get a lot of creative life juices out of it. And so maybe it's more, okay, I noticed that in this period, if I go for this period of time, it affects my internal landscape positively. But if I stay over that time, then it becomes detrimental for me so how do i make sure yeah and if you have to spend more time than that you might search out the parks and know where you can go some safe havens in in the city maybe a meditation center or something like this i think you suggested another uh, way we can manage ourselves which is with interrupts right Mm. like you mentioned the timer which is an interrupt saying hey do you really want to spend this much time yes and we can do that like there's also meditation techniques or i would call them actually mindfulness techniques right where we can uh, either with a phone timer or something, we can pose ourselves a question in the day. How are you feeling in this moment right now? Mm-hmm. Or what is existence right now? Or whatever. And you can do these interrupts. And so we can't get out of these physical environments. These that We spend our lives here, and there's good reasons for that. But we can interrupt ourselves mm-hmm. and ask ourselves and bring intentionality back to it. So that is another way we can we, we can manage ourselves within an environment. I'm actually part of a mastermind group where the leader suggested that we do that, or at least said that she did that when she started out with the work we're, we're doing, where basically she had an alarm on her phone between the hours of like nine and six, nine a.m. and six p.m. She would have like a, a, a reminder go off on her phone like every hour or so asking her like to identify what she's feeling and how she's feeling in that moment. So as a way to grow your awareness of your own internal landscape, like this is exactly what this is. It's checking in with your internal landscape, which means how do I feel in my body? How do I feel in my mind? Do I feel tired? Do I feel drained? Do I feel happy? Do I feel joyful? All these things. And that also leads to um, a higher emotional literacy with yourself. Another kind of obvious one, but not so obvious sometimes, is we can choose when we'll be there. Maybe we have to be there, but maybe we have some control over when that is, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, For example, maybe we can choose not to check Instagram after we wake up, right? Or something like that. Yes. And and going back to the awareness, because I think that's a, like, like for for me, a good example of this is uh, social media. I have noticed over time that I tend to feel more down, a little bit more depressed, like a little less happy. I get into mode, like I feel a little bit more triggered. I've made a correlation between social media and that feeling after. And that awareness has also helped me change my behavior there. Because now I, as I become more aware, I see that the uh, the cost-benefit ratio, it changes, right? In your mind, all of a sudden the scales kind of shift. And, and once it costs you more than it's worth, right? You might be more motivated to stop it, hopefully. And and so I think that's also what awareness can do for us. 
The second way to intentionally craft or design your own internal landscape is to manage the environment. So we've talked about managing ourselves in the environment, and now we can manage, we, there's times where we can manage the environment. Uh, a few examples of that are, for instance, an environment that I spend a lot of time in are my email. Like my email, my Gmail page, that's that's an actual environment for me that I spend some time in. And a good way that I trained this environment, and Alster was uh, the one to advise me to do this, and he was right, was to organize and have labels, different labels for different things so that a bunch of things actually don't go straight into my inbox. They go to that label, and I only see them when I choose to go in that in like that environment of my uh, inbox. Another way to do this is you can, if you're watching TV, you can change the channel. If you notice that it, it's affecting your mental, if you notice that it's affecting your internal landscape in a certain way, just change the channel. Maybe that'll help. Sometimes it calls for a, more action than just that, but this is one option where you can manage the environment. Uh, another example that we just did recently is you could, for example, we re did your room. Yes. We put new coats of paint. We changed the furniture, changed the feng shui. Yeah. And, that, and that's so helpful. It's amazing what an impact. Like, And, and so if you, uh, we all manage our environments in our, in our homes, right? And you can manage how much things you have. You can try to get rid of a lot of things and create more space. And these are all kind of ways you can tinker with the environment. And these have a, these have a big impact on us. They're worth thinking about. The last thing that that I think we can do um, to more intentionally choose the environments that are going to affect us is we can simply remove ourselves from the environment or add ourselves to an environment. So basically change, radically change environments. This tends to be the most effective or transformative one. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm thinking of two examples. One would be like Alcoholics Anonymous where you you know you're kind of simultaneously doing both things. You're trying to leave a social environment, maybe you're trying to leave the bar, which is a physical environment with a certain social environment attached to it and 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 you're you're putting yourself in a new group of people. I used to see this all the time because I used to manage a community called Junto and it was a bunch of kind of smart, bright, ambitious people uh, who would meet once a week. And we had different groups, and we would meet face to face. Not alcoholics anonymous. No, no, okay. they, no. This is <laughs> this is more of a mastermind type type okay. group, and and we met every week. And um, I experienced this myself when I joined, uh, and and then when I started to be more involved uh, with the organization, I saw it every time we brought someone new into the organization, which was you show up and you see all these other pretty amazing people in one room and you hear them talking and you see the way they hold themselves. And we're really imitating, like humans are very, very good at imitation. Uh, a philosopher that's influenced me a lot, uh, Rene Girard, has a concept around this, around mimetics, this, this idea that it's one of the fundamental parts of consciousness, basically, and that it's one of the things, it's the, it's the, it's the primary way that we learn. And if we look at our, our, our ape ancestors, it seems to be the primary way they learn too. So it's really powerful. 
And one of the ways we can do that is just by putting ourselves in a group. You know, it's kind of the sort of like the fake it till you make it, or at least you show up in that group and you start quickly learning how that group kind of holds themselves, what they think about, how they're spending their time. And this can radically have have a really massive impact. And and the experience I had was like, oh my God, uh, look at what these people are doing. If they're doing it, why can't I? And it's just whole kind of revelatory experience. And we saw that pretty predictably with new people that we brought in and who really kind of committed to it is they would go through massive transformations in three months, six months, or maybe a year uh, just by the nature of putting themselves in a new social environment. Yeah, I think so. I think there's a big case to be made for removing yourself from an environment, so like leaving the party scene or uh, move moving to simply a different activity. If like you're reading a book and then you realize, okay, I've, I've used up, it's not serving me anymore. I might go and do some movement, just like put myself on my yoga mat and see what comes. Just moving to a different activity would be a good way to remove yourself uh quit social media that's you've done you've done that with facebook or pretty much and you you say that it's been really beneficial for you another one i did it with was uh a particular email newsletter i get and it's daily and it gives you like the news in an entertaining format uh, and it's it's a really good newsletter, but I was noticing that it was giving. It's the daily, it's the news on the so so. It's kind of you know what's happening in the world. A lot of it's crisis. A lot of it's kind of like you know not the greatest things. Not a lot of utility in knowing, but it ten, and it was delivered in often kind of a almost like sarcastic or comic format. Yeah. So, and it was very entertaining and kind of addicting in that way. But I was finding that it was tending to feed my cynicism and just giving, spinning my world a little bit where it was a bit more negative. And I decided to just go off of it. And man, as that an made, ex- as an experiment. As an experiment, yeah. And it's made a great, it's made a big difference. Yeah. I spend a lot less time ruminating about how terrible the world is. It's true. <laughs> it's true, actually. You've been, you've been going through stuff like emotions and stuff over the last maybe month with this transition we're in but you haven't been doing that as much that's yeah true. and that used to be something and 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 like it was a more complicated behavior than that because a lot of times when i was feeling down i'd go look at that email and then it would feed this thing mm-hmm. and and so it's useful to see the different ways different sources of information in this in this case and different environments that you spend time in color the way you see the world and, yeah. and and that we can also choose, you know, if we want to look at it through that lens or not. Yeah. I think what you're describing is similar to something I went through, I think it was in 2015 and uh, there had been a few terrorist attack in Paris. And I remember being glued to the news channels and not just me, but at work too. And just how, I realized that none of what they were saying was changing any, uh, I don't know, it wasn't bringing anything to me. I had this very profound realization that, wow, this is just like a hamster in its wheel and nothing gets done through this. And I realized like that this is how it made my internal landscape feel. And I made the conscious decision there and then to uh, not follow the news anymore. So I, for the last four years, I haven't followed the news intentionally pretty much at all. I oftentimes have checked on the Brexit situation and I do check on certain things if they call out to me, but 
and and I've been exposed to the news when we're at people's houses and they watch the news. But actually, funny enough, I know that this environment affects me so much that whenever the news come on, usually I leave the I leave the room and and I go do something else while the news is on, just because I know it affects me really badly. Yeah, and I think I'm moving more toward. I, I've always had a little bit more like, well, I want to li- know a bit more about what's going on, and I, I think this is actually a place where I've had a lot of struggles mm. with what what is actually useful to know and what isn't. And so I've gone back and forth a, a lot, and I've tried different ways uh, to kind of solve this problem. And and the jury's not out for me on this because um, I do notice some value in understanding macro trends, but I notice a lot of immediate negative impact, especially in getting my information through the news, because it's, you know, everyone, there's that common line in the news, what bleeds leads. And I think this indicates uh, the news is not, you know, this is not objective information. They'd like you to think this is the information you need to know, but says who? Says them. And not just says them, says their advertisers, because one one of the parts of the news is that they need listenership or a viewership, right? And that's where the bleeds it leads comes in because that draws attention mm-hmm. and, and negative stuff, critical stuff, right? Like even I know that I'm not very interested in reading positive news. It's just kind of boring sometimes, <laughs> you know? Like yeah. it, it, where, whereas, like where's the stimulation? Yeah, it doesn't feed that yeah. whatever it is. And and so we know that news, one, one we, we know that, well, that's not, that's the news according to you. But like, for example, the U.S. news is almost completely uh, insular. You get very few news about the rest of the world. India is a pretty big place. They got more people than us. We don't really hear anything about what's going on in India, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so what I'm trying to say here is that there are choices being made in what's being focused on, right? And attention is such a valuable thing. And and I think part of the spiritual path is realizing how valuable our attention is and choosing for ourselves where to place that attention. And and it's just the news, unfortunately, is common for me. The I guess the I, I'm coming to a similar place with you on this is that it's less useful than I'd like to think it is. It's really not that useful. And it's a really negative environment most of the time. And I've become more aware how this colors my feeling. And, that, and that's been kind of subtle. That's been hard to see. Mm. But I do realize that it's like the fodder for kind of shitty stories about the world. And I've actually felt a lot better about the world when I've kind of uh, brought my attention more into like the areas that are important to me. And I think one of the parts that I still struggle about this is that, you know, especially my family's on the other side of the world and stuff. And like, these are shared environments, right? And if we're not going to spend time in those environments, uh, it's still important to me that I, that I share, have things in common or have uh, places that I share in common with people I care about. And what are those places? And that's kind of hard for me to kind of, to grapple with that. I'd like to give one last example. So when you remove yourself from an environment, I always think about this as uh, they have to go together, remove and add, because if we remove ourselves from somewhere, we have to go somewhere else. That's just part of out. That's just part of life, right? Mm. Like that's, that's the metaf- metaphysical world we live yeah. in. Is you can't be nowhere or at least not for very long. <laughs> and, and, and so you know, this is the example of like, if we, maybe we move ourselves out of the city for a while and we go spend some time in the wilderness. And that's another way to think about it is like, okay, we don't have to leave forever. Maybe we leave for a little while. Something that, a power that I kind of really realized uh, that, that I think a lot of travelers realize at some point that's not common, wasn't common in my life before is 
the power of really being able to change your environment whenever you wanted mm. to, and like radically, right? You can you can fly from the mountains to the islands. You can do it. You can go all these places, and and that's like that's pretty intoxicating power, yeah. especially early on. But I also realized like, oh, I can I can influence it in 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 other ways. Like when I'm feeling lonely because I used to travel alone most of the time, I could go to a social environment. Uh, I could go to a. Well, I think we all know this one. Where if you work alone, if you work, uh, maybe you're an entrepreneur, or you 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 work alone a lot. Go to a coffee shop, right, and you get a different environment. But I would go to hostels to get a social environment, and then when I had enough of that, I might go into the countryside or walk into the mountains. Uh, and so we can regulate these environments, right? Like it's not like one's all good and one's all bad. It's usually there's good things and bad things, and and it's helpful if if. If we're aware of that and we can manage them mm-hmm. and and this can help. So maybe as a way to start wrapping up, we're going to just um, recap those, those three ways that you can use the awareness of those environments to intentionally design your internal landscape. And so there's three ways we mentioned. So you can manage yourself in the environment. So it's like having awareness, choosing how much time you're spending in the environment, all these things. There's managing the environment. So organizing your emails, um, remodeling your room, these kind of things. And there's removing yourself or adding yourself to or from an environment. So That means, as you said really well, there's no, you can't be nowhere. So if you're going to remove yourself from an environment, you're automatically going to add yourself to another environment. And it's about being more intentional about that. I've had, I mean, this year has been incredible for me because I think I've become a lot more aware of this and I've been joining environments that are a lot, that feel a lot better for me, that create a more, a broader horizon for my internal landscape and a bigger, um, it feels expensive. And I think what is really important about bringing awareness to this is that then we can, you know, I don't, I don't think we're never in control of our environments completely, but we can exert some conscious influence into them, right? We can steer them in certain ways. And so the degree we can do that uh, we we can insert our values. We can kind of design our life a little bit. We can, you know, whatever our values are, whatever is important, we can try to shape the environments we are to to help us embody those values and and do those things, and and that's really powerful. One thing that actually came to mind during this conversation is the realization that this podcast you're listening to is a mental environment. Especially for the listener. I think it is for us too, because, because, but we're creating it. So it's not really exactly the same, but we, we're creating a mental environment for ourselves to inhabit as well. And so, it's coming from our internal landscape. Yes. Yes. It's coming for, from our ter- internal landscape. And I think one thing that I'm realizing th- through this is that means that our internal landscape is creating this mental environment for you, the listener, to be in. And that mental environment in turn influences your internal landscape. So it's like kind of this feedback loop of, or this loop and the cycle gets complete. And it's like, that makes me realize 
how much more I want to tend to my own internal landscape to make sure that I create the best mental environment possible in this podcast. Because I think I'm the awareness that it's affecting someone else's internal landscape is just making me want to be, to create a podcast that feels expensive and that feels like it's broadening horizons and that feels that feels good. I, I don't want something that feels, I don't want to create something that feels constrictive to anyone, including us. And, and, or that feels, I don't know, like judgmental or I, I think I want to, I want to create an environment that feels good for everyone to participate in, in some way. I think what truly create makes it a feedback loop is the fact that this podcast not only creates a mental environment that we're inhabiting with you, uh, that you're inhabiting with us, and that's influencing in, in some ways your internal landscape, or at least that's the hope. But that all that is also coming back because this influences our actual social environment. This mm. podcast has been a way to change our social environment, and and so in a real way, we're uh, creating the world we're living in, uh, or at least influencing it into a direction, right? And I, I think that's pretty. That's also pretty amazing. I've been diving a lot into uh, self-responsibility and getting the awareness that I'm creating my reality. And I think to some extent, we all are creating our realities. And I think it's it's been a really mind-blowing revelation for me to realize that um, we are, to some extent, we are in environments that we can't change. Like our culture, I, I think it's hard to escape, even if we go to a different culture, like we were born into it. But I think that we're much more creators of our reality than we want to believe. And there's a lot of power in realizing that we all create our realities all the time. <sighs> thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank you. It's been great to have you here. It's really, really great to have a space where we can explore those crazy concepts and, you know, try to bring new vocabulary to ourselves and share it with our listeners. I want to leave on on, on something that we didn't say in, in the meat of the episode, but I think it's kind of two things just maybe worth thinking about. And I, I hope this has some utility for you. And if it does, we'd love to hear about it. Mm -hmm. Or maybe you see other other environments that, yeah. that we didn't consider. It's definitely a working concept. But two things is one, no environment is neutral. And the other one is a, kind of an old saying in the marketing advertising world, which is the medium is the message. Ooh. Well, if you, uh, if you enjoyed this episode, you know what to do. Yeah. First off, if you're new here, we'd love to have you stick around. Maybe subscribe. Yes. Number two would be if you've enjoyed this episode or any other episode, Please share it with one person who mm -hmm. would also enjoy it. Yes, spread the love. That helps us grow. And then as a bonus, as a third step, if you really feel like it, you can just go on your iTunes and just leave us a review. That helps us a lot. That would be wonderful. And uh, we'll read it on a future episode. Yes. Well, I think that's it. Toodles. Toodles. Toodles.